Hi, everybody, and welcome to That's Life, where ironically enough today, folks, <laughs> you're going to love this, ironically enough today, it is Introduce a Girl to Engineering Day, and while it's not the engineering that they really mean, we're going to pretend they mean board op. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for listening. I am Miriam L. Wallach, blogger, writer, general manager here at the Nahum Siegel Network. You can find me here right after Allison and right before Nahum's live lunch. I would wish Yoni a Boker Tov. And it is possible Yoni is listening to me from uh, the Hartsfield Airport in Atlanta. But I am here in the studio alone. Yes, I have been left alone here in the studio. Why? Because Yoni, unfortunately, is still stuck in Atlanta. Yes, that is true. I can't make this up. Yoni and Naomi were in uh, Atlanta yesterday. It was a makeup day, shall we say, for Naomi to record her show at the Spicy Peach. And unfortunately... Um, as often happens, there are weather issues that delay flights. That happens, right? Um, but what doesn't always happen, what doesn't always happen is um, is flight crew fatigue forcing a flight to therefore be canceled because it has been delayed so long that the first mate is too tired to get on the plane. So um, I I feel for Yoni, who as usual has the most unbelievable outlook on this pretending it's a vacation that's not fun you have no clothes with you you have no food i mean it's atlanta we're helping them out that's fine but um but you're in a hotel you got there at two o'clock in the morning you got to get back on a plane you got to go back to the airport where you sat for six hours really only yoni pollock would have a good attitude about this this is one of the one of the times that his not being a new yorker is actually a good thing I'm sure that there were plenty of New Yorkers who were who were boarding that flight who, um, shall we say, provided a lot of color commentary while the flight was being delayed. But then you have this guy from Houston who's always in a good mood, shockingly enough, always in a good mood. And um, I did read some of his tweets and I did read some of his Facebook posts about the delay and the total, total, total lack of organization on behalf of American Airlines um, and I'm sure that next week's live lunch will be very entertaining while we find out more behind the scenes information regarding Yoni's delay. Um, but until then, we're just going to have to applaud Yoni and his unbelievable patience and outlook on life. Because frankly, I would not be handling things as well as he is handling them there in Atlanta. That's for sure. It's also Discover Girl Day. It's National Grain-Free Day. Yeah, I also participate in this one daily. Um, Sometimes not as well as I should, and that just gives me headaches. But yes, gluten-free life it is. It's also the Great American Spit Out, which also has to do with chewing tobacco. If you're still chewing chewing tobacco, stop. Not just because it's the Great American Spit Out today, but because, my God, there are other ways to live. Just, Just get rid of that. It's a terribly awful habit, and it's not good for you. Not that I'm your mother. It's also International Mother Language Day, bringing all moms together. Mother language, yet yeah, for me, that, that is English. That is English. I wish it was Hebrew, but it's not. And um, I need to give a specific shout-out, by the way. We're going to do the fortune cookie, even though the fortune cookie for the last two weeks has been identical, which is weird. But um, we're going to give a shout-out to SpaceX. SpaceX is the Israeli startup that tonight, folks, tonight, from Florida is sending the first private mission to the moon. That is correct. Israel will be the fourth country to go to the moon. There is a live, please God, there is a live webcast this evening. Here are some fun little facts, okay? 
So it launches tonight. Please, God, it should all go, go well. It is an unmanned spacecraft. It will, assuming that the um, the mission is successful, and, and I wish Mayor Furtick was listening right now. It's possible he is. But if Mayor Furtick was listening right now, he'd be like, she doesn't like space travel. Why does she know all this? Why did she bother researching it? I don't like space travel. I really, really don't. There are better ways for us to spend our money. However, if you're going to spe- send a lunar module or whatever you call it, because I don't know the terminology, a lunar module to the moon's surface that's going to have the words Am Yisrael Chai on it, I'm all in. So that's where I am. Right now, I'm excited about space. Probably not tomorrow, but certainly am today. Anyway, so this company, SpaceX, um, is sending the lunar module named Bereshit to the moon's surface tonight. Now, it will not get there for another, wait for it, 40 days. That is correct. It will take 40 days. How significant is that? How crazy? Yes, 40 days, because so many things in Jewish history happen in 40 days. It will take 40 days for this lunar module to reach the moon's surface, okay? Assuming it lands when it's supposed to, April 11th, and is not run by American Airlines, it will then have only three days to complete its entire mission. After that, it will basically overheat and um, will self-destruct. I mean, no, there won't be a big boom, but, you know, if you're a Mission Impossible fan, you get the whole thing. Um, But, yeah, it'll take 40 days It'll get there April 11th. It'll have three days. So basically, the week of Pesach, the week of Pesach, Pesach is April 19th. That is the first Seder is April 19th at night, Friday night. So basically that week, this entire project commences should it go well from start to finish. I don't know. I just think that whole thing is significant. And for a person who really could not care less about space and went to Cape Canaveral and sat in the car for two hours because she found it unbelievably boring, this is really, really Cool. Okay, let's do the fortune cookie, and then we'll get to our guest. We have a lot to talk about, a phenomenal story. Here is our fortune. Wow, this is great. I'm actually happy Yoni isn't here to read this. Old age is always 20 years older than you are. Well, thanks. I really appreciate that. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network, and I am joined this morning by Rabbi Larry Rothwax, Rabbi Rothwax has served as Rabbi of Congregation Beth Aaron in Teaneck, New Jersey, since August 2002. He is a graduate of Yeshiva College, the Azraeli School of Jewish Education, and received his smicha from Reitz. From 1998 through 2016, Rabbi Rothwax taught Talmud at Yeshiva University High School for Boys and the Rosenbaum Yeshiva of North Jersey, and he currently serves as head rabbi of our favorite place on earth, Camp Marisha. In April 2016, he was appointed Director of Professional Rabbinics at Reitz at Yeshiva University. He has also served as president of the Rabbinical Council of Bergen County and, uh, and was on the executive committee of the RCA. In May 2016, he was named by the Jewish Forward as among America's most inspiring rabbis. And for good reason, you'll hear his story and understand why. Rabbi Rothwax has delivered many lectures on a wide spectrum of topics of Jewish interest and is listed on the OU's Rabbinical, Rabbinic Speakers Bureau. He and his wife Chaviva, who teaches at the teaches special education at special education at Sinai, are the proud parents of five children and one grandchild. And Rabbi Rothwax is also a kidney donor. Good morning, Rabbi Rothwax. Good morning, Miriam. Thank you. Thank you for having. Thank you for for giving us the time. I really appreciate it. Um, it was through renewal and um, the, the organization which saves lives by helping facilitate kidney transplants for those suffering with chronic kidney disease, that you became a kidney donor. Tell us how that story started. 
Uh, sure. So uh, about four years ago, actually, um, I'm approaching my uh, fourth uh, anniversary uh, this week. So uh, a little more than four years ago, uh, I was contacted by a member of the community in Teaneck uh, who uh, was looking to spread the word that his brother was in need of a kidney and uh, wanted to know if uh, our shul, Beth Aaron, would participate in a community-wide uh, campaign to raise awareness uh, as to uh, the need in general and specifically uh, to try to help uh, identify a, uh, a live kidney donor for a member of our community. And I agreed. I thought it would be a wonderful opportunity for the shul to participate. Uh, we began to plan uh, what the weekend would look like, uh, which included um, uh, a representative from Renewal who would come down and speak about uh, kidney donation. It would be a shear in the afternoon talking about some of the halakhic aspects. And they had asked if I, uh, as the rabbi, Shabbos morning uh, for uh, the drasha would talk about the importance of, you know, considering kidney donation. And uh, naively, I, I guess I agreed to that uh, several months in advance. And as we were getting closer, uh, I was... I found myself uh, in sort of a, sort of struggling with a dilemma because I, I was being asked to speak about something from the pulpit that I, I had just assumed I would never do myself. Mm. Which, uh, not to suggest that everything I ever say, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm always uh, practicing exactly as I preach, but at least in theory, <laughs> you know, I could <laughs> I could strive for that. And over here, I was basically uh, turning to my members and says, saying, "Listen, you know, this is really important. One of you should do it," <laughs> but I wouldn't. Um, so that sent me, you know, on a, a bit of a journey, and I began to uh, learn more and explore more about uh, what's involved in kidney donation. And by the time Shabbos came around, several months later, uh, I had pretty much uh, decided at that point that, th that this was something I was going to do. I, it, when we had the awareness Shabbos on behalf of this individual, I had not yet, uh, that decision had not been finalized, and that there had been no announcement, and I didn't share uh, with my community at that point publicly that this was my intention, but it, at least I was able, uh, you know, to sort of feel more comfortable with the message. Uh, and, you know, I did get some pushback right away saying, you know, Rabbi, how could you tell us we should do this? You know, you haven't done it. You wouldn't do it. And, you know, hmm. I said, you're right. But, you know, this is all, this is all something we should all think about. So that's uh, that's the story. So I That's guess how I was uh, introduced to this whole whole fascinating sugi of kidney donation. Well, it certainly is fascinating. Um, and happy anniversary to you. It is certainly a milestone, um, a very impressive milestone, and, and one that I know a, a lot of our listeners, myself included, are certainly curious about it, would certainly consider it, um, but have a lot of hesitations. So before we get to the, I would assume, the most common question that you're asked about kidney donation, about your experience, I want to know, what did your wife say? <laughs> so my wife said, well, you know, obviously I had to, there, there's, a, there's a rather thorough, actually a very thorough screening process. So it, it wasn't as if I came to her one day and said, may I donate my kidney? <laughs> uh, the question was, you know, may I even explore whether or not uh, this mm. is something that, uh, that, that, you know, that I would receive medical clearance uh, for? And... Um, she said yes on one condition, and that is that I would need to ask my Rebbe. Mm. Uh, so, so I said, okay. So uh, I went to my Rebbe, and he said yes on the condition that I asked my wife. Ah, um, nice. So uh, thankfully, <laughs> uh, they were both on the same page, and I received clearance to receive clearance. 
Wow. And that's what happened. And um, uh, she was she was very supportive throughout. I don't think either of us really knew what we were really getting ourselves into until it was too late. But there were no regrets whatsoever at any point along the way. It's been a very, uh, very uh, fulfilling experience personally. Uh, obviously, it's it's something that uh, has has Baruch Hashem made all the difference in the world uh, for for somebody else and for his family. And that obviously there, there's no way to possibly right. uh, measure. Uh, quantify what, what the impact of that, but, but just sort of selfishly for myself, uh, personally, uh, and you know, and just you know, and, and many other aspects in life has really been a, a very positive experience. Well, I think this takes put your money where your mouth is to a whole new level, Rabbi. I, I have to be honest. There are there are people who who preach certain things, and then there are people who really live to that letter. And getting up in front of your shul that weekend to say that you had made this decision, I, I'm sure was was totally mind-blowing to all of them, but also very inspiring. I'd, I'd like to talk for a second, though, about the recipient and his family, their reaction to your donation initially. I, I assume that none of them could be donors, otherwise they wouldn't come looking for an external match, but or external donor, I guess is the right term. But their their reaction to your selflessness? Uh, obviously, they, they, they were and remain very appreciative. Uh, to be honest, uh, you know, I, 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 it's been difficult for me to to receive the sort of mm. uh, I don't know the, the, the sort of appreciation and, and, and accolades and descriptions of of uh, heroism. And I, I, I've, I've come to the conclusion there are basically two types of people in the world: people who can donate kidneys and people who can't. Mm. I absolutely respect the fact that most people just cannot even bring themselves to consider this. In fact, I, I would never ever. Uh, tell anybody that this is something that they should do. I think it's a personal decision that people need, need to come to and own on them on their own. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to answer anybody's questions and share my own personal experiences. But you know, I, I do respect that for a whole variety of reasons, this is something that uh, for many people that this is just something that they can't do. Uh, on the other hand, uh, someone such as myself, and, and, and I can't speak for any other. I wouldn't say that another kidney donor that he or she is not a hero. But I, I do think it. You know, for myself, it never really seemed at any point along the way mm. to be such a, such an extraordinary uh, effort. Uh, to be honest, if I really felt that I was risking uh, all that much or anything at all, I, I don't know that I, I, I would have or that I, I, I could have taken this risk. At the end of the day, um, I'm responsible first and foremost to maintain and preserve my own health, to be certain that I can continue to to be uh, you know, to be all, all that I need to be for my wife and my children, uh, for my community and the others in the world who depend on me. Um, and, you know, I, I really feel that, you know, that this has not in any way whatsoever uh, distracted me, uh, weakened me in any way from, you know, from my, my overall life's mission and my ability to, you know, to just make the most out of every day. Wow. Unbelievable. You're listening to That's Life here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Rabbi Larry Rothwax joins us this morning. He is the rabbi of Congregation Beth Aaron, and amongst uh, his many, many details in his bio, what is not included is that he is a kidney donor. He's telling us his story this morning. I want to mention that this Sunday, February 24th, at the Ornstein Pavilion here on Bialystoker Place in Lower Manhattan, or I should say on the Lower East Side, at 10.30 a.m., is Two Sides of a Kidney, Honoring Kidney Donors, featuring Gary Ambrose, who will discuss a kidney kidney donor's journey 
and the Honorable Martin Shulman, who will discuss the greatest present. A scrumptious buffet will be served. Again, that is 10.30 a.m. this Sunday at the Orenstein Pavilion, 1517 Bialystoker Place, New York, New York, 10002. Uh, um, Rabbi Rothwax, it could be a, a misimpression, though I don't think it is, but there's something going on in Bergen County where there is this unbelievable like swell of support and and an involvement in kidney donations that is coming out of 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 that county and uh there was a semi recent i think it was in the last year event in Teaneck for renewal and if i'm not mistaken the 16th donor uh or the 16th donation from that weekend alone from that awareness weekend alone in Teaneck um donated a kidney donated his kidney this week what in the world is going on in Teaneck that there seems to be this unbelievable support? I, 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 I almost use the word excitement about being able to donate kidneys. <laughs> it's a good question. I, I don't think there's anything unique uh, in the Teaneck. What, what's going on over here? Really, the, and Miriam, I, I, I'm honored that you called me to uh, interview me on, on this issue. I'd be happy to be interviewed on, on any topic in the world. Uh, truthfully, this is the one that I, I'd really rather not talk about because it's uncomfortable to discuss. But the reason why I didn't hesitate and I said, yes, I will, and I'll continue to do so whenever I'm asked to speak about kidney donation is because I see the incredible compounding effect of, of one kidney donation. I'm not going to tell you the number, but I am aware of uh, personally, I'm aware because people told me of multiple donations that have been inspired by our story. Wow! And I was inspired by others. So there is there is a, a tremendous opportunity to save a life. Uh, I know that many donors would prefer uh, to be able to just sort of keep that experience to themselves mm -hmm. and their own family members uh, will, will will know, and that's it. And 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 another Abba, you know, if I'm doing such an extraordinary mitzvah, I might as well capitalize on it. And be able to, to not you know benefit from you know the cover, the honor, uh, the reception that uh, that follows. Uh, I personally believe, and you know I respect uh, the right of every donor to decide uh, if and when he or she will make their story public. I, I believe that if you're doing it already, you know you really have a, a second obligation uh, to publicize it because what we see is that. When you bring a group of people together, as we did in Teaneck last December, I think it was, where there were several hundred people in the room, and at that point, they were honoring, they were recognizing, I believe at the time it was 12 kidney donors, and these are just regular people. These are my neighbors, these are my brothers, my sisters, and in several cases, this is my rabbi. Um, this could be me. Um, and it, it's very powerful. These are, these are just regular people who are not by nature risk takers. I am not a risk taker. I don't ski. I know that many people do. I'm not saying that that's it, but I, I don't know that I would want to take that risk. I don't jump off buildings. I haven't jumped out of a plane. Um, I, I really, I, I take very good care of my health. Um, and I, I and I found this to be something which, uh, which was completely 100% uh, safe based on, you know, the research that I had done and the conclusions that I'd come to. And and it had had no impact on my life whatsoever. In fact, I'll tell you that I'm actually physically in much better health wow. than I was before my kidney donation. Because I made a couple of changes after the fact, which I didn't have to do, but I made you know decisions to exercise more and to stop eating and drinking certain foods and drinks. And um, 
were not for the fact that every you know six months or more actually someone calls me up and say says well I speak about it or be interviewed I, I never think about it there's wow. no this had no really no physical impact on my life whatsoever and when you get a lot of people in a room and they hear that and they see that right people are inspired and they say right. you know why not why wouldn't I do this that's a really that's a that's actually a really interesting point and so I, I guess when you have when when people ask you um, or you or do you do you counsel people often who are considering kidney donation? Um, I, 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 I wouldn't say often. I get uh, calls every once in a while. I've probably spoken to, I don't know, 10, 15 people over the past four years who were considering donation, who wanted to just hear of my experiences at some point. You know, in some cases, they already made the decision and they were just calling to to get some, you know, last bit in, uh, advice. In other cases, they were, you know, discussing prospects of being screened. Uh, as I already mentioned, I, I, I never, and I make it very, very clear from the outset that this is not something that I would ever ask, uh, encourage anyone to do. Um, I feel, and this has sort of been my pitch, that at the very least, it, it's, it's incumbent upon each and every one of us to just become more informed uh, so we understand, you know, what's involved in live kidney donation so we can make an informed decision this way uh, if we say, you know, this is not something I'm going to do, okay, so, you know, we, at, least, at least we could say we, we, we've explored it, we know. In my particular case, had I never received that phone call and I had never been asked to run a program in my shul, um, I, I would never have. And, and by the way, I had given, over the course of my career as a rabbi, I had given this sheer on the topic of kidney donation from a halakhic perspective at least, at least two times, mm. maybe more. So it's not that I had never thought about it from that angle. But I just said, okay, this is an interesting question as the person may, you know, may risk his life to save somebody else's life. But, but of course, again, this is something that I would never do. Uh, when I began to explore and learn more, you know, I said, this is something I would do. And I know that there are many out there who, if right. they would only just learn more and hear more and explore more, would come to that conclusion. We don't need everybody's kidney. I, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> there are, if I'm not mistaken, 100,000 people on, on the uh, list wow. uh, in, in the country at the moment. Uh, Renewal's list obviously is much smaller than that. They maintain uh, a list of, of several hundred, but you know, out of a country of I don't know 300 million people here, you know, most people don't have to give up their kidneys. Uh, so I, I do believe that if with more, you know, just more awareness and more exposure, there would be more. So to come back to your question. I don't think there's anything so special. Well, I take that back. There are many special <laughs> things about Kenya. It's a wonderful place. But, you, you know, you take a look at other communities in Borough Park and in Square and other communities, particularly in the Hasidic community where Renewal really started as, a, as an organization, uh, which really primarily, it's not that they service the Hasidic community, but, you know, that, that's where they were generating most of their awareness. So I, I don't know percentages, but a lot of people came forward for the same reason. They did an event in Teaneck. It was done well. And, you know, people said, wow, this is amazing. Um, my guess is that if they would do, and when they do the same thing in other communities, uh, we'll find the same. Wow. If we discover that that's not the case, that it's unique to Teaneck, then we'll really have to look at yeah. that. I don't know. Maybe it's something in the water. Maybe uh, <laughs> people in Teaneck are just more generous. I don't know. But uh, I think it's just, you know, you just get a lot of people in the room and you say this is really important. Just learn a little about it and right. consider it. 
And 16, you said, that's absolutely amazing. Yeah. It's absolutely amazing. It really is amazing. And that's what actually inspired me to, to reach out to you this week was when I had seen that post on Facebook, I was like, you know, that was one of the more positive Mika Amcha moments. Um, and you, you see that kind, uh, you see that, that move and you see another person from Teaneck who was in that room that weekend and heard the pitch and understood the urgency and, and the need and, and answered the call. So if it is in the water at Teaneck, well, then maybe you guys should bottle the water and spread it around because that kind of that kind of generosity is what makes Mika Amcha a wonderful phrase. I do want to remind everyone that, again, if you have questions, you want more information, as Rabbi Rothwax just explained, that you have questions, well, let's get some answers. So it's this Sunday, February 24th at the Ornstein Pavilion. It's called Two Sides of a Kidney. They are honoring kidney donors. It's at 10.30 a.m. featuring Gary Ambrose and the Honorable Martin Schulman. Again, a scrumptious buffet will be served, so you'll have your questions answered and your stomach filled. Rabbi Rothwax, I wish you continued good health. Um, I'll take this opportunity now to thank you for your time this morning and for sharing your story, and, and I get to wish you a good Shabbos as well. So thanks for all that. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. You've been listening to that live here at the Nahum Siegel Network and uh, truly inspiring story. I'm just going to remind you again about this information. It's this Sunday, February 24th at the Ornstein Pavilion, Two Sides of a Kidney. The Shulman and Ambrose families invite you to get your questions answered. Hear their stories. Sunday, February 24th at 1517 Bialystoker Place, New York, New York. 10002 at 10:30 a.m. It's all about renewal. Hear their stories. I'm going to pick up the music in the background. Um, at least that's my intent. But again, it's uh, Engineering Day here at the Nachum Siegel Network, so hopefully this should work. Yes, it did. I like that intro. I decided to let it play. You've been listening to that live here at the Nachum Siegel Network. The afternoon continues with a full day of programming. The live lunch hosted by Nachum Siegel just begins in just a few moments. Hear more about Yoni's saga. I have a feeling that Nachum knows more than I do, so we'll hear more about that. And then, of course, Throwback Thursday starts at 1 p.m. The encore of JM Rewind at 4 p.m. At 4 p.m. in the Arab Shabbos show hosted by Mark Zamek begins at 7 p.m. Eastern Time tomorrow morning. Join Nachum as he hosts JM and AM from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Malcolm Holmline joins him at 7.40 a.m. It's a constant turn of the carnival wheel here in America and abroad. Make sure to tune in. You don't want to miss a moment of the weekly update at the conclusion of JM and AM. Join Naomi for Table for Two from Atlanta. It is her 200th episode of Table for Two. You do not want to miss that. It is a supersized program, and then stay tuned as you enjoy the encore of the Kedem Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, and then that will be followed by the Erev Shabbos music mix until candlelighting. Here in the New York area, Avrami hosts Saturday Night Seagull this Monday Shabbos at 9 p.m. Matas hosts JM Sunday, 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Woo! What a show. We are a miracle. That's life, everybody. Bye, guys.
the few who carried on, leave the millions who are gone. It's been so many years, crying so many tears. Don't you know? Don't you really know? We are pushed to the ground through our faith. We are found standing strong. We are a miracle. We are a miracle. We were chosen with love and embraced from us. Every day we fight a battle. On the news we are the stars. As history repeats itself and makes us who we are. Hate is all around us, but we'll be here to sing this song. Miracle.